Our God is with you. And also with you. This is a story that's taken from the Gospel of Matthew. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them to a high mountain. And there in their presence, he was transfigured. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes were as bright as white. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking, when suddenly a bright cloud covered them with a shadow. And from the cloud a voice came and said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate, and they were overcome with fear. But Jesus touched them and said, Stand up, don't be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus alone. My brothers and sisters, this is the good news of Jesus. I find it interesting what's included in, in some of the lectionary readings and what's not. In, in this particular reading, this gospel, um, there were three words that weren't included, and I included them in today's reading, um, because I thought they had impact on what this reading was about. And the three words were, six days later. So, what happened six days before? I mean, the transfiguration is a big event. I mean, with all this awe, and we make it, and how wonderful it is. Did Matthew want to make a point about something else? You know, did the word six days have any kind of significance? What connections are he making? <clears throat> if six days later, then today would be the seventh day. What do we know about the seventh day? <clears throat> Peter's making some connections. Um, I don't know if if uh, those who who have not did not attend our journey to understanding implicit bias, but there was a TED talk that was shown there, and in the TED talk it said the danger of having a single story. Now, I believe this TED talk is appropriate for today's reading because sometimes Matthew was writing to Jewish people. He was writing to to people of his day, and. If we take a modern Christian look at it, we miss a whole lot. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we need to have more than one story, and we have to understand where it was coming from and, and what that whole thing was about. So what are the other stories? Well, there's some 20 different places in the Bible that talk about six days. Maybe Matthew, that Jewish man, or whoever wrote the, wrote the book of Matthew, was saying something. For six days in Genesis is what creation was. It's the beginning of creation. And then God rests. Creation is brought to completion. 
In Exodus, it calls that out a number of times about looking back to those six days and then the seventh. It's interesting how we use the word creative. Maybe we're supposed to have something with this. You know what I'm saying? In terms of creation. That we need to be part of this creation. Six days, where they were supposed to gather manna when they were lost in the desert and that horrible slavery they were leaving out of. And yet there were 40 years that they were out in that desert. Now 40 also hasn't, but I'm not going to go into it because 40 is mentioned a number of times. But it's in this that we see. We see, we see in, in, um, in Deuteronomy it says, Six days you shall work, even your ox and your ass will, will be, uh, shall, shall, shall not rest. Um, they, shall, they shall work those six days. It gives you a little bit of insight why when uh, Jesus healed on the Sabbath, that, that uh, official was a little bit indignant and said, can't you do that in the other six days? Why do you have to heal on the seventh? Because it was important to him. And we needed to listen to what his story was. Um, six days, Moses was up on the high mountain. And what he was doing up there was getting the Ten Commandments. And then a cloud came down over him. Maybe Matthew was saying something about Jesus being another Moses. And what was the law that Jesus brought about? Love. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love God uh, with your whole mind, heart, and soul. And you love, love your neighbor as yourself. That sums up all the laws of the prophet. He was creating us something new. Uh, that needed to be done and that we participate in. Uh, Jesus never talked about the commandments. He talked about the, six, the, the, uh, the eight Beatitudes and in different ways in his gospel. So he's talking about something different. Well, enough of that. So what was Peter saying in the, four days, in the six days before? Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Jesus said, you're the son of the living God. Peter said, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus, Jesus said, uh, no mere man is the one. It was revealed to him that he knew that. Um, and then Jesus goes on to talk about the suffering and the death and heading to Jerusalem that he was going to face. Peter didn't like that. He said no. But that's part of the two stories. They both are there. The suffering, the struggles, the difficulties, the problems. But there's also this transfiguration, this transformation. That, that brings in more of the, of the full story that, that we're taking a look at. It's more than Jesus just being transformed. It's about us and how we see that transformation. How we're transfigured. Have you ever been up on a mountaintop? You have a whole different view of the way things are, don't you? I remember when I used to ski, and it just well, look out there was just awe, just to see all that, or even just go to the hills of Chillicothe and see, be able to see up on a, on the top of one of those Smoky Mountain ridges and, and see out out above it. It gives you a whole different look. On that mountaintop, Jesus metamorphosed the eyes of the apostles. He's saying it's not just that, that little thing. He said, 
we have to take a different look at it. You know, I, I really appreciate being here in Ohio, even though it's, we're changing to be um, Tennessee. But to have winter the way winter is, where things die and things go in the ground. And the crazy thing is, that's where the roots grow the most. Is that not right, Bob? That's where the most powerful of the, of the roots, roots that go. But, you know, we see it now. The crocuses are starting to pop up. The aconites have, have already bloomed and showing. The helleborts, which is known as the, the Lenten rose, it's out there blooming and the bees are all going on it. it. It's through that that we can see that those things are transformed. It's amazing to see that. Matthew's Jesus was telling folks that that struggle is always transformed when we see with different eyes. The difficulties that we have are meant to be a time and opportunity for us to be transformed. It's not only Jesus that's being transformed, but it's the whole world that we're looking at being transformed. N.T. Wright, a biblical scholar, says that transformation is the meaning of resurrection. In other words, it's not the resuscitation of a corpse, nor is it merely life after death. He goes on to say, the idea of some existence beyond the grave certainly was not new to the people of Israel. People commonly thought about death, um, that the death of people was some kind of a spirit, or a ghost, or an angel. This transformation, uh, transfiguration story is a precursor to the resurrection. It's about transformation. Transformation of the cosmos. Transformation of you and me. Transformation, what Paul called, this is a new heaven and a new earth that we're looking at. We are part of that. Could it be that what this transfiguration is asking us to look at in a new way, in a new story? Yeah, I used to love to watch uh, Hee Haw. Remember the famous song with Hee Haw? They do it every time. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Sometimes that's all we see. And that we can laugh about, that's a good thing. Because that's not all that's there. Is as the good pastor was saying in that second reading, sometimes we begin to see things differently. And we see something that was always there. Jesus being the Son of God didn't just happen on the transfiguration. It didn't just happen when, G when, Paul, when Peter said, you are the Son of the living God. He was showing that all the while. And people, he could see that. And... It's interesting that the transfiguration disappeared. There's a glimpse of it, and then it's gone. And we have that same thing too, don't we? There's a glimpse of it, and then, it, then it's gone. So, what we need to do is to, is to refocus ourselves on a regular basis of what's really there. That transformation is about us and the world and how we see. It's about us being able to see this new heaven and new earth. It's, it's seen differently, not better, but differently what's already there. So we did this at our, at our, our Ash Wednesday. 
let's take a look at what are the opportunities of Lent in what it's been historically. Let us, t- let us fast from obsessing about the future, worrying about all that stuff that's on the, on the news. And let us feast on the everyday wonders of the present. Let's fast from casting blame on our troubles. None of us do that, do we? We all get caught in that. Let's feast on the creative ways of coping and living. Let's fast from worrying about ourselves. And let's feast on showing compassion for the vulnerable. We're all in this together and being there. Let's fast from fear. So much of our world is based on on fear and what we're at. Let's feast on the perfect love that casts out all fear. Let's fast of all that our bodies, puts our bodies and soul out of balance. There's a whole lot of that. Let's feast just on simple pleasures that we can see every day. Let's fast from holding grudges. God, I remember when he did that to me. Let's feast on compassion. Maybe he or she was hurting so bad that's all they could respond was ouch. Let's fast from anxiety. There's nothing that can hurt us. If we are truly children of God, there's nothing in it. Let's feast on patience. That we're on a journey. That it takes time. And that we will all get there. Let's feast. Let's fast from selfishness. And feast on service to others. Let's fast from despair. And feast on delight. We feast today on the bread and the wine of communion. Let us fast from all that keeps us from communing deeply every day with each other and God so that our lives might be sufficient. Our lives will be fulfilled, complete and whole, that it will be enough. You see, to be transfigured, to be transformed, your sight must be metamorphosed this Lent. That's what we're being called to. Who who are you not to be more than that? You're a child of God. You're a son and a daughter of God. And I love the way way Randy put it. He spoke so much about what it is to be beloved. We didn't plan that introduction he did. (laughs) But that was perfect. Because it spoke of that. You are the beloved. You and everyone around you see yourself and the world in a new story. Be transfigured, be transformed, and be a building block for that new heaven and that new earth. Your comments.